Hi and welcome to Personal Finance with Bill Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 25 and it's going to cover that one question I think everybody's asked in the past when it comes to a mortgage. How much can I borrow? So more of that in just a minute. Essentially, that's what we aim to do in this show is try to make anything financial easier to get to grips with one question at a time. Just lately, we've looked at everything from pensions to redundancies to investments and more. It's all here and all of it a completely free resource. Tap into our back catalogue wherever you want. Every show works on its own as a standalone feature, but have a listen to them all when it suits you, however it suits you. And then if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us, would be very grateful. Hit subscribe as well. That way you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop and you'll be right up to date. For our library of money advice shows, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. I'm John Ellis. With me as always, the star of the show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Now, whenever we talk about mortgages on the show, I take us first of all on a trip down memory lane, which Seems even to us right now like some kind of alternative universe. But here's the truth. Around 20 to 25 years ago, if you wanted to get a mortgage, it wasn't like hunting for a needle in a haystack, trying to source one. Lenders were competing for your business, fawning over you with more incentives to take their offer than go across the road to the next guy. When I had to find a deposit, I didn't have one. My advisor did a deal with the lender at the time. Uh, they were offering like a three grand cashback deal if you went with them and got the lenders to give us the cashback deal as the deposit for our mortgage. I had a 95% mortgage, which was standard, but there were lenders offering more. And I seem to remember a simple formula back then, which worked out roughly like this. Your maximum borrowing amount was uh, three and a half times your income if you were living alone, or two and a half times your joint income if you were looking to buy with someone else. And if you're 25, looking to buy your first ever property right now, you'll probably be imagining me as having like three heads, but it literally used to be like that. Fast forward to 2021, and here's Dumunga Phil to tell us it ain't like that no more. So, Phil, these days, how do lenders now assess things when you go to look and take out a mortgage? I know it did. It used to be in the past that they would they would just multiply it by a certain figure, and that was it. I, I remember when it was about three, three and a half times your salary, and then at one point it went up to four or even five, five times. Yeah. <laughs> some lenders at one point were even doing up to about six times your annual salary. Right. And, and they would just multiply that, and that was it. Yeah. Some of them would take into account if you had loans, but they, they didn't really look at it, and not in a huge amount of detail, but things have fairly changed um, over the last wee while. There, there was new regulations came in previously, and, and what that means is now lenders have to assess things more on a tailored affordability to the, the client. So what they'll do is they'll look at each person's circumstances kind of individually, they'll look at things like what's coming in, what's going out, but they'll scrutinize all the ins and outs an awful lot more than, than what they did. So in the past, when they would just use that multiple, now it's important what you've got coming in, but it's equally as important. They'll look at things like what loans do you have? What credit cards do you have? What bills are you paying? I, I've even seen it in the past. I remember one guy years ago had a lot of, a William Hill transactions on his account and he was betting heaps but the lender didn't see that as an outgoing whereas nowadays they would see that as mm. an outgoing and then uh, another thing that, that's a big factor as well is um, number of dependents so for me having six kids that fairly reduces the amount <laughs> I can 
<laughs> also, uh, also means how many bedrooms you're looking for as well. It's going to be uh, substantially more. Uh, just briefly, as you were saying that, you're talking about someone that, that used to bet a lot, and these days that would be judged to get you know as a form of expenditure. Do lenders make any kind of, and I'll, I'll just use this term, moral judgment on your expenditure? So not so much um, how much you spend, but what you spend things on being a testament to the character of you as a potential uh, loanee. Yeah, they would tend to just look at it and see what's actually going out and not what it's going out on. Same as well, I mean, like food, for example. I mean, some, like I, I, would have, I, I, would, uh, I would have a really high food bill because I eat a lot, whereas the next person might not spend so much. So you, you could have two people on the same income, but their outgoings can be massively yeah. different. So that the, the lenders will look at things more in a tailored approach these days. Okay, so where can I find out how much I can borrow uh, these days? And does it vary much between the lenders? It, it does. It, it varies an awful lot. I mean, when, when looking at income, lenders will use different factors. So some will take, for example, if, if you've got bonuses or overtime, some lenders will, will take 100% of that whereas others won't take any of that at all. So the amount that they, they will consider and base it on can vary from lender to lender. What I would say is a, a good mortgage broker would know how each lender assesses things. For self-employed people, I mean, their incomes can vary quite a lot. Some lenders will take into account your salary and dividends, whereas others will say, right, what's on your SA302s? That's a, a document that self-employed people have to, to complete and get. Whereas other lenders, if it's a limited company, they'll maybe look at the, the net profit. So they do all vary in, in how they assess things. But you were asking there where you can find out how much you can borrow. Most lenders tend to have affordability calculators on their websites. Now, it would take a lot of time to go on all the different lenders' websites and, and view that. So what I would say, alternatively, the, the easiest way would be to speak to an independent mortgage broker. The, the beauty of that is I, I often refer to it as sort of three steps, and, and this is to try and make things as easy as possible. I mean, with, with my business, we, we've got a, a mortgage arm, and when I'm promoting that, I'll say, one, contact us, two, let us do all the work, three, enjoy your new home. And I, I try I think, right, try and make it simple. But I mean, you could, you could spend all day going on all these different lenders' websites and trying to assess who'll give you what. But a good mortgage broker would take the mm. pain out of it and save you a lot of time doing that. There are these um, sites as well, which which aren't associated with banks as such. You know, the, the uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but the, where you can compare I guess, mortgages. So one of those comparison websites and say, right, it'll say, are you eligible for, and it'll, they'll say, we'll do a soft search. So it won't, it won't yeah. affect your credit score. Uh, there will be a soft search uh, and we'll tell you within minutes, within seconds, whether you're eligible for a mortgage with this bank. But I always yeah. think, presumably, they're making their money because the banks are coming to them and saying, point these people in our direction. Yeah, I mean, they some, some, of, the, some of them will pay to promote certain companies. The, 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 the one thing I would say, comparison sites are good just to give you an idea who's got what rates and maybe have a look at the, the best buy tables. But especially at the moment, the lender's criteria are changing frequently. 
all the companies. I mean, if, if someone's a bog standard, straightforward thing, yeah, that might work quite well. But gee, whereas some inquiries we've had coming in lately, there's been some right weird and wonderful things, but no two people are the same. Mm. So do and, and honestly, the lender's criteria just now is is changing an awful lot. So yeah, that, that sites are good just for giving you an idea of who's got what. I mean, it, it, you could go on there, say, right, this one looks like it's top, and then contact the lender to see if you fit the criteria. But that, that's where a good mortgage broker, they, they're actually advising you, not just who's got the best rates and deals, but which lenders will be the quickest to deal with. I mean, just now, time scales can vary so much between different lenders. So whoever's got the best rate, might not be the best one for your needs if you need things through in a, a relatively quick speed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we mentioned right at the beginning of the show, or I think I did, that when I first applied for, for a mortgage, the, there was a standard. The, the, the sort of standard that was the market was a 95% mortgage. So in other words, you put down a deposit of 5% and the 95 comes from the lender. And, and that was the sort of accepted norm at the time. Are we even in an area where there's an accepted norm just now? What sort of deposits are required at the moment? Yeah, at, at the moment, you you can get 90% mortgages just now. So, so you're generally tending to need a 10% deposit. Now, there are ways around that. Some some of these low-cost housing sort of schemes that's available, we'll touch on that in, in a few moments. Yeah, at, at the moment, 90% is generally the most that lenders will allow you to, to borrow. What I'm finding, though, is there's much more choice with the 90% mortgages. See, two or three months ago, there was hardly any. And at one point, it was almost about 85% was kind of the, mm-hmm. the maximum. But just now, there's an awful lot more lenders doing the 90%. So the, the rates are starting to get more competitive again at that level as well. Okay, you, you said there, um, if you don't have much of a deposit, is that it? Is it game over? I, there are some low cost housing schemes that I'm vaguely aware of. Tell me about those. Yeah, that's it. I mean, what the, there's quite a few different schemes. You've got the, the first home fund. Um, that's a, a shared equity scheme. With that one, you, you can get away with a, a 5% deposit. Now, the funding for that has actually run out just now, but that's due to open up again in April of this year. What I've decided to do is next week's show, we're going to do it on the various low cost and, and schemes for if someone's looking to buy a property specifically in Scotland, we're going to do. But so next week's show, if you, you're interested in that, that, that'll have more details on on that type of schemes and how they work. Okay. All right. When it comes to uh, sort of affordability checks, do lenders do the same checks on a, a purchase mortgage as someone maybe who's uh, looking to remortgage and, and, I don't know, do up their kitchen or put on an extension or something like that? Is it the same same thing they go through? Yeah, you will find, I mean, just now, one of the things we're doing a lot of in, in my office is people coming to the end of their deal and we'll look at the option to say, right, will we remortgage them to another lender or can they get a, a product switch or rate switch and a better deal from the existing lender? Now, if you do a product switch with your existing lender, they won't assess the affordability. So they they won't take that into account. So if your circumstances had changed a bit and maybe you were a couple and one now wasn't working, that wouldn't be so important. Whereas if you're looking at take, moving it to a new lender, that would. That said, if you were looking to borrow more money from your existing lender, they would look at the affordability in that case. 
But if, if you're buying a property or switching lender and doing a remortgage, they will ask for all the usual stuff. So things like pay slips, bank statements, again, they, they would look at all the affordability. And if someone was self-employed, they'd be looking for things like two years accounts and various books and, and stuff like that as well. Yeah, trust me when I say you will not be the first person that thinks, Crikey, if we went for this house now, we couldn't afford to buy it. You will not be the first person that's ever crossed the mind of. Does your credit rating help how much you can borrow in this instance, Phil? It, it can. If, if you've got a poor credit rating, you might not be able to get a mortgage at all. So it definitely is a factor. Again, we, we have done shows on, one of the previous shows we did was on how to increase your, your credit score and credit rating. So if anyone is looking to do that, the, we have got a previous show that covers that. The, U, the UK's largest lender is the Halifax. Now, what they do is when they're assessing someone, they, they can grade it. They, you can get an A pass, a B pass, a C and a D pass. Now, if you come back as an A pass, you've got excellent credit and they tend to allow you then to borrow more. Whereas if someone's a C pass and only just made it, they'll tend to give them a wee bit less than somebody that was an A or a B pass. If it was a D, you're out. They, they won't do it at all. So yeah, definitely credit, credit rating does impact on how much you can borrow as well. Okay. The other thing I was going to say to you is we've also done, when I was thinking about mortgages there, you, you mentioned a couple of shows that we've done, how your credit score can affect your, your mortgage ability, but also uh, we've done, I think probably the, the, the big show would have been the 10 steps to uh, securing a new mortgage. Also, how to make your home mortgageable or, uh, you know, to move, ready to move so that you can get yeah. a mortgage. There's a few of them. Also, there's one on green mortgages as well. I should really have looked this up before we came on air <laughs> and told you exactly what they were. But if you go into our back catalogue, there, there are quite a few now. Yeah, they, we have. We've done a few shows on, on mortgages. And I think our most listened to show was one of the first ones that we did with that, like 10 steps to buying your, your home. Coming back to like this week's sort of topic and the mortgage affordability. I mean, so some of the things that you can do to try and be able to borrow more is things like paying off debts. I guess the, the more you earn, the, the more you're likely to, to be able to, to borrow. But if you've a good track record of like managing your, your debts and managing them well, paying things off, that, that can help as well. But to, to give you an example, if someone had, let, let's say they've got a car loan at £200 a month, and that's only got six months left to run. If they were to somehow be able to get the money to pay that off, that's going to make the lender think, oh, hang on, they've got an extra £200 a month that can go towards their mortgage. So someone that pays that off would be able to afford more than someone that doesn't pay it off. So they, there are ways that you can try to improve how much you can borrow if need be as well. Okay. Uh, each week so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects that we've been discussing. And what have you got an experience here, Phil, on how much you can borrow on a mortgage? I remember, um, I mean, the, the difference between lenders can be massive. And I, I remember the, the first mortgage that I ever took out was with Bradford and Bingley. I spent the day going up and down Union Street, in and out, like different mortgage brokers, different banks. And, oh man, I was taut-headed with it all. Honestly, it was <laughs> something else. I, I was working for the Skipton Building Society at the time, but I was a customer advisor, just basically doing transactions over the till. So didn't have a clue about mortgages. So even back then, I was getting so much different advice from people 
some saying, right, you should do this or do that, take a fixed rate, a variable rate. Ah, oh, it was just, I really didn't know what to do at all. But the, the one thing I would say from my experience is, it is trying, like, they keep things simple. But if you go to, to a good mortgage broker, they can take away all that pain. I, I kind of try to do it yourself. But with, with me, from my experience, the, the one thing that I didn't really plan for was all the, the bills. I mean, I, I didn't know how much gas was going to cost, electric was going to cost. So I, I would say if anybody is looking to buy a home, set yourself a budget and try and look and say, right, what's going to be all the, the kind of ends and what's going to be all the outs and, and really look to see that not only you can afford the mortgage payment, but afford everything else that, that goes along with it as well because you'll have house insurance, you maybe look at life insurance, some sort of protection if you're off sick. There, there's a lot to consider. And then you've got council tax as well as a, another one. So yeah, sitting down and just looking and saying, right, what's going to be all the ins and outs is, is an important thing to do. And even something as simple as, you know, some folk could dream of uh, moving from the town and, and out into the country without considering the prospect that, well, once they get there, there might not be mains gas. So it's LPG and a tank in the yeah. back garden. And that's, that's a different cost altogether. I, know. <laughs> I could lecture on that one for a bit. Uh, we'll go to this bit as well, Phil. Um, you, you find inspiration through various people that you admire. And I know you love a quote. So, one that fits our subject matter for this episode, please, and how much you can borrow in a mortgage. This, this week's quote of the week is from a chap called Kenny Gwynn. There is something permanent and something extremely profound in owning a home. To summarise on this episode, Bill, what's our takeaway this week? I'd say the key, key takeaway this week is speak to a whole of market mortgage broker. I mean, they, they can take away a lot of the pain of having to try and say, right, who can lend me what and do I fit their criteria? So I, I would say, yeah, be, best thing that I would recommend to someone is a whole of market mortgage advice. Okay. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously for you if you'd like us to. Let's get on to this week. Contact details for you to get in touch in just a second. I'll give it to you after these. Our first question today comes from Susan in Stran, who's uh, about to retire. She says, what can I find out about the options that I have with my pension? Simple one. Yeah, there's a couple of different options. I mean, one, one option is to, to contact a, an independent financial advisor. They can help you think about accessing your pot and decide how to take your income. They can also shop around for the best products. Another thing that I would recommend doing is speak to, there's what's called pension wise. Now, pension wise don't actually give you advice. They just give you some guidance. Now, what they'll do is they'll go through the, the options to sort of give you an idea and say, right, you could do this, you could do that. One good thing is that it's free to the consumer. There's no cost to, to people for, for accessing that. You've got to be age 50 or over to be able to access it. But they, they also have a really good booklet called Your Pension, It's Time to Choose. So that can just give you an idea of some of the options. But I, I would say that the benefit of speaking to a financial advisor is that they will actually go through all the different options as well, but make a firm recommendation as to which companies you should be going with and things. Whereas the pension-wise is just to guide you this is the various options that you have. Okay. Next up is Jesse in a point who wants to know the best place to find out about cheaper energy providers where you're getting independent, impartial advice. I think that probably the, the most important words are the last three there, independent, impartial advice. 
Uh, so cheaper energy providers, Phil. They, this is a real topical one for myself because my energy is up at the minute as well. So I'm actually looking into this just now for, for myself. What I would say to her is get a copy of your latest bill and then use an approved comparison site. Now, if you go on Offgem or the Citizens Advice, they've got approved comparison sites on there. The one that I personally use is Uswitch. So that, that's the one that I use. But if you go on to Offgem or Citizens Advice, they, they've got a list of their, their approved ones on there. Then submit all your details, put everything in, and they'll work out who's got the, the best deals for you. It was exactly what you're looking for. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look back at our back catalogue because we've covered a, a fair few topics and we might have touched on, on what you're interested in. Certainly um, making the bills cheaper uh, for the everyday stuff. We've done that one as well just after New Year. I'm just thinking about you you know, making a, a query. You don't have to always write in. You could go back and listen to us gabbing on. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. You can search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you can email him a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we will not use your real name if that is what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links that you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening.